This is Laura Lummer, the Breast Cancer Recovery Coach. I'm a healthy lifestyle coach, a clinical Ayurveda specialist, a personal trainer, and I'm also a breast cancer survivor. In this podcast, we talk about healthy thinking and mindfulness practices, eating well, moving your body for health and longevity, and we'll also hear from other breast cancer survivors who have re-engaged with life and have incredible stories to share. This podcast is your go-to resource for getting back to life after breast cancer. Hello and welcome to episode 100 of the Breast Cancer Recovery Coach Podcast. I am so, so, so excited that you are here with me today on this landmark show. Wow. 100 episodes and more than three years of podcasting. It's changed me and my life in so many ways. And I gave a lot of thought to what this episode should be about. I went to my go-to group of ladies, the Women in My Empower membership, for their thoughts because I value them so much. If I'm the CEO of my own company, I feel like they're my board of directors. And I love them and I'm thrilled to have such a trusted group of women to work with and to turn to. Ultimately, I looked back over the top 10 most downloaded episodes of the show and I decided to use some highlights from those episodes along with what I have learned from them and talk about what's been created in this breast cancer recovery community since the first show of the Breast Cancer Recovery Coach podcast aired in March of 2017. Now, right off the bat, you might be thinking that math doesn't work and you would be right. How are you only at 100 episodes if you started in March of 2017? And I'll tell you, because it was a long road and I have learned a lot about myself on that road. When I first started out, I did a podcast every other week because I didn't think I could commit to the amount of time it would take to do a podcast weekly. And then when I finally had a coach say to me, hey, you got to do this weekly. If you're in, you need to go all in. So I started doing a weekly show and here we are at 100 episodes. So one of the things that I'd like to share with you before we even get into this is that back in 2006, when I was going through yoga teacher training, the man who was one of the leaders of the program was from India, and he had lived and trained with yogis in the Himalayas for many years, and he had since come to the United States and become a very successful businessman. One of his students ran the yoga studio that I practiced at, and together they developed the yoga teacher training that I went through. So one day he and I were talking, and he said to me, Laura, the best thing you can do for yourself to develop yourself is to start your own business. Because when you have to run your own business, you learn more about yourself than anything else in life can teach you. And I took that to mean that, you know, you have to be self-motivated. You got to get the work done without being accountable to someone else because all of the responsibility is on you. But what I didn't understand was you have to face yourself your self-doubt, your fears, your tenacity, your vulnerability, all of it, everything on a whole new level when you have your own business and you have to show up for yourself. So when I finished treatment in 2012, I knew I wanted to pay it forward. I wanted to connect to breast cancer survivors everywhere. I wanted to let them know they were not alone. 
I wanted to help them find their own inner strength and I wanted them to feel comfortable and confident and fulfilled leading the lives they chose to create. Now I had no idea what that would look like or what it would take for me to create it, but I was all in. I was ready to do whatever I had to do to make that happen. And I talk about this in episode one, which remains in the top 10 episodes of this podcast today. But in the tradition of a true top 10, I want to start with number 10 episode. And that is episode number 64, Managing the Fear of Cancer Recurrence. Now, I got to admit that when I look back, I was a little surprised that this episode wasn't higher on the list because I know and you know that the fear of cancer recurrence is pretty high up there on the list for most survivors. So I looked back through the transcript of that episode and I thought, you know, if there's one thing that I could emphasize, one thing after all that I've learned from my own experience and from all the survivors I've coached since the podcast has started, this is what I would pick from that episode. And so here's a clip from number 10, Managing the Fear of Cancer Recurrence. Let's just be very clear that in this world of Amazon and Netflix and instant everything and Z-packs that take this pill and you'll feel better in the morning, some things actually really need your focus, your energy, and they need to be done consistently over a period of time. We're changing behavior. We're changing habits. Retraining the way your brain thinks. So if you checked out on me right there, come on back. This is really important and it is worth the effort. You have to put in that effort to support the healing of your mind and body. You have to put in the work. And you know what? You are worth it. You are worth the time and the effort, and even the money that it might take you. So don't buy into this, oh, she's high-maintenance BS. Good things take time and attention and often money. And we women have to get past our hang-ups of investing in ourselves, whether that is time, money, energy, or anything else. I honestly cannot emphasize this enough, my friend. The nature of the life we live is that you have to do the work if you want the results. But while you do this work, be good to yourself. Be patient with yourself. Know that you are awesome and perfect every day of this journey. And know that you can change the way you think about yourself and that will make things a whole lot easier. All right, that brings us to to not episode number nine, but to number nine on the top 10 list. And that is episode number 18, gratitude and your health. Okay, I just want to <laughs> take a little side note here. Thinking of titles is not easy, okay? I mean, I don't know. Do you keep it simple and you just say gratitude and your health? That's what this is about. Do you think of something cute and catchy? It might seem silly, but honestly, in podcasting, this is really something that I struggle with. Back in episode 22, I interviewed Betty Alterman, who's the owner of Pink Ribbon Plus, which is a company that specialized in radiation and chemotherapy, skincare, mastectomy, bras, prosthetics, and all of the things that would support a woman who's been through breast cancer. And I named that episode, Beautify Your Breasts. Really? 
I don't, I definitely am not going to be a copywriter. Anyway, back to episode 18. So there was a lot that I liked about this episode, but one thing really stood out to me, and that's what I want to share with you here today. I love this clip because you, you, my ladies, are often way too hard on yourselves. And I know that many of you perceive asking for help or not getting it all done as a weakness or a failure. So please, stop what you are doing right now and really listen to this. Really, really take it in. Another beneficial aspect of gratitude is that when we express gratitude, you have to take the time to take some kind of an action, right? To recognize what you're grateful for and who you're grateful towards. So again, this goes back to that list of nine key factors in the book Radical Remission, embracing social support. When you're expressing gratitude or saying thank you, you're allowing others to do a kindness for you and you're embracing that kindness rather than pushing it away. I know I have heard and experienced and had conversations with many, many women who in treatment and even after treatment when they really needed some support in their life, they really needed a little bit of assistance, but they pushed it away or really shut down. And, you know, that's, it's a tough thing to do because people like to help as a way of showing their love and support. And it's important, and we can see from lots of studies, that having a strong social network is something that's very important to having good health and to even living longer. So one of the stories that I really loved in the book Radical Remission was that of a successful Japanese businessman. And he had metastatic kidney cancer. And he talks about the changes that he made in his life, which really were remarkable. It was a fantastic story. And even though he was experiencing a tremendous amount of healing over a period of time, he still did have some cancer in his body. Then he was invited to spend a month teaching at this retreat in Scotland where people wanted to learn about what he had done to heal himself. And the coolest thing was he said he was overwhelmed with the amount of hugs that he received from the people when he got there. Because hugging wasn't something that was a part of his culture in Japan. And so he was blown away by all of the love he experienced when people were hugging him. And when he returned to Japan, he got a CT scan and it showed that he was completely clear of cancer. So stop saying no to people when they're reaching out to you. Don't feel like you're a burden to others, but know that when someone wants to support you, they're just showing love and let them love you before, during, and after treatment. The stronger our social connections are and the more love you have in your life, the healthier you're going to be. As my dear friend, mind-body oncologist Erin Somerville says, happiness heals. Allow yourself to connect to others to let love flow through your life and to take time for what brings you peace in your life, that's it. This is a major part of staying well. Okay, we're on to number eight. And I got to tell you, this was one of my favorite episodes. It's number 68 and it's an interview with Dr. Robert Nagorny on Outliving Cancer. 
So Dr. Nagorni is an accomplished researcher and oncologist, and he's so smart, and he speaks very elegantly, and he's an incredible advocate for bringing cancer treatment into the millennium. And I was definitely nervous about doing this interview. In fact, I felt so weird at the end because usually I'll chat a little bit with my guests before and after we're done recording. But he's a very busy man. And his team contacted me after they heard about my podcast and I worked with them to coordinate a time slot to speak with him. And when we were done, I just remember feeling so awkward and I said, "Uh, thank you so much for your time and have a great day. And then I just clicked off and I sat there and I thought, okay, that was weird. Oh my God, that was so abrupt. This man is probably sitting in his office chair just thinking, What the heck just happened? But I sent him a thank you note, and so I felt a lot better about that. Anyway, I have a lot of favorite clips from that episode, and if you haven't listened to it, I hope you go back and do listen to it. But I decided on sharing this one, and I'll tell you why after you hear it. What do you think about the value of, you know, clinically supervised aftercare programs for cancer survivors? Well, you know, it's interesting that... um, when you look at the literature on degenerative diseases, like for example, <clears throat> people who have um, osteoarthritis. Mm-hmm. Osteoarthritis is a sort of wear and tear phenomenon. And, and there were for many years, people would say, well, you don't want to exercise or you don't want to be active because you've got this bad knee or bad head. It turns out that, that there is a certain amount of restorative response to activity. You can actually take people who have, have some aches and pains and things, get them more active, and over time, they regain function. So, mm-hmm. so I guess in, in terms of cancer, cancer is, is you know, obviously the, the uh, diagnosis of cancer requires incredibly toxic and punishing therapies. Right. But at the end of it, you're a little bit damaged. I mean, you're mm-hmm. like somebody who's got arthritis or something. And, and in fact, it turns out that I think it is extremely important that people regain their activity and get back into a lifestyle, a healthy lifestyle, particularly exercise. Mm-hmm. And as much as people sort of don't want, like, you know, so often someone will say, well, I'm just too tired mm-hmm. or I just don't have the energy to do it. And, and you've really got to push yourself because physical activity, we talked about this twice now, mm-hmm. physical activity is a therapy. It is Therapy. It's not just makes you feel good, doesn't make you breathe deeper. It resets adenosine monophosphate kinase. I mean, this is like serious physiology. Uh-huh. And so people need to realize that they are, they are, they are taking a, a therapy when they do exercise. And also, and something that I think is grossly understudied is sleep, mm-hmm. sleep patterns. We, we, all, we have very unhealthy sleep patterns. As you probably realize, there's a lot of illness, a lot of human illness, and a lot of, a lot of accidents and auto accidents and all kinds of stuff that are to do with sleep deprivation. Mm-hmm. We're all sleep deprived. Everybody's sleep deprived. Right. So another thing people have to learn is sleep health. And, and to learn to, uh, to, you know, the physical activity that creates the state of exhaustion that puts you into a better sleep pattern. <clears throat> learn to sleep in a, a more darkened environment. Turns out that Nighttime light isn't very good for us. Uh, it turns out, interestingly, as you probably know, that substances like melatonin, which is a natural product produced in the brain that induces a state of sleepiness, melatonin can also be taken as a, as a supplement, and it's relatively non-toxic. I don't know if there's any toxicity to it. And it actually has an impact on particularly estrogen receptor-positive breast cancer. So, so there are rather simple things 
that may be very healthful that we over, that, that we overlook that we that we should take more seriously okay i love this clip for a couple of reasons one a credible physician acknowledges that we come out of treatment a little bit damaged and i think that's something you really need to let set in because if you do it might help you release the fight and the often very negative emotions that come with the desire to go back to normal after treatment. And the second reason I love it is because he says, you have the power to support your healing with two free therapies, exercise and sleep. He talks about a lot more than that in the show, but in this clip specifically, we dismiss these necessary natural pillars of health far too easily. And I believe it's so important to educate everyone on the therapeutic benefits of sleeping well and moving your body daily. You got to move your body. Okay, here we are. Number seven in the top 10. Now, this one surprised me too. It's episode number 34, Two Fungi That You Want to Know Better. (laughs) There again is my struggle with a good title. I am... Very pleased that this is one of the top 10 episodes because it tells me that my audience is open to natural nutritional therapies, and I believe that's awesome. As you know, I am a clinical Ayurveda specialist. I am a huge fan of herbal medicine, and I do believe that the earth provides all the things we need to support our wellness. Now, that does not mean that I don't think there's a place for Western medicine. There absolutely is. Because most of us don't lead a naturally balanced lifestyle. And because there are diseases that will kill you. And the development of modern medicine has made it possible to treat or cure those diseases and spare our lives. That being said, there are some powerful natural substances that are more and more easily available to us and that Western science is studying and validating. So if the catchy title from this episode, Two Fungi You Want to Get to Know Better, didn't get you to listen to it, here's the scoop. Adaptogens are these plant medicines that also support the immune system, and they're considered to be immunomodulators, which means they help strengthen the immune system. In the Eastern medicine approach to healing the body, the reishi mushroom, like other adaptogens, is used as a part of a healthy lifestyle. So rather than being broken down to this molecular level that we do with our Western studies, trying to discover exactly what chemical or what constituent of this botanical medicine treats a specific disease, in the Eastern philosophy of medicine, it's used to support the body's ability to heal itself by strengthening the immune system. So the philosophy is a little different because in that Eastern system of medicine, whether it's Ayurveda or Chinese medicine, we believe the body has this innate ability to heal itself. And if you create the environment that maximizes that your body's potential to heal itself, then you're going to see a lot of wonderful progression happen. And you create that environment by using the right foods, having the right lifestyle habits, sleep habits, eating habits, and using things like adaptogens. All right. So if you haven't listened to that episode, there's some really great information in there on other mushrooms as well as suppliers where you can get the supplements and even coffees and hot chocolate made with these amazing adaptogens. 
And this brings us to number six on the top 10. And this is an episode that is near and dear to my heart for so many reasons. Number six is an episode called Young Breast Cancer Survivors. It's episode number 25. I recorded this show with my friend and fellow breast cancer mentor, Janelle Linares, who was diagnosed at 33 years old. Janelle is a fireball. Her energy is amazing. And her transparency is just so admirable. She is literally an open book and she's real and she's raw. And Janelle and I recorded this episode about the unique struggles that young breast cancer survivors with young children face. It was a couple of months before our survivor anniversary. And I say our survivor anniversary because we were diagnosed in the same month. And shortly after we recorded the show, Janelle went in to have an implant replaced, and it was discovered that she had metastatic disease. Now, I know that a lot of you get very bummed out when you hear something like that, but I want to let you know that Janelle is just a life force, and she's doing amazing. I saw some pictures of her posing in a new bathing suit on Facebook the other day, and I've never seen her look so good. She is an incredible survivor. And if you are a young survivor, I want you to hear this very powerful message from Janelle. Actually, whether you're young or not, it's a powerful message of self-care. I had to really look at myself in the mirror and say, I need help. Mm -hmm. I'm having a hard time with this. And it also required me to learn not to care what other people think. Mm -hmm. Because there was a lot of judgment associated with that request. Right. And I needed to do what was best for my bubble. Sorry it took cancer, but you know what? If you go through cancer treatment, you can determine what is best for your bubble. Mm -hmm. And then you can ask for that accommodation. Don't be scared to to follow through with what is best for you. I love that. But other people feel you need to go through and what's best for me is not going to be best for you or my neighbor it's you've got to do a lot of self-reflection and go what's going to get me through and you know when the doctors when you're done with treatment and all your doctors tell you okay just you know reduce your stress and you're like what What? how am I supposed to reduce my stress (laughs) and I need to get back to my life that I just put on hold last year yeah you know and so it's taking quite some time, but, you know, every day is a gift and, you know, every day is a challenge. And so my accommodation was to reduce my hours by two hours a day and come in at 10 versus eight. Okay. So anyway, so the next morning after my accommodation takes effect, my son spills his milk and had I had to be at work at 8 a.m., I would have screamed bloody murder. Why did you... Oh, bummer, you spilled your milk. Let's, you know what? I have time to clean that up without having to be all aggro and stressed out and not letting it bother me because it was a hiccup in my day. Yeah. And I learned that morning, I took a deep breath and I was like, yeah, I did the right thing. Right. Yeah. And it was just, it was a weird way of confirming that I listened to what I needed to get done. Yeah. And that's it. Self-care, my friends. You must take care of yourself. You must be present 
in your own life, look at what really matters. It changes everything. And speaking of self-care, I am not surprised that coming in at number five of the top 10 downloads is episode 36, Hot Flashes and Phytoestrogens. I mean, holy cow, hot flashes and menopause, they suck. It is no fun. And when they come on literally overnight, one day you're fine, one day you're in menopause, the next day. And they're just, these symptoms are so exacerbated by chemotherapy and hormone therapies. It's absolutely the worst. But there are things you can do to minimize the effects. So check out this clip from episode 36. So in the meantime, what can you do for some relief when you want to be all cute and carefree and not all sweaty and lobster red? Well, here's a couple of tips for you. First of all, really practice mindfulness, meaning pay attention to what happens in your body and what triggers your hot flashes. Some of the top triggers, and I know this one definitely for me, sugar, alcohol, spicy food, caffeine, wearing tight clothing, having exposure to chemicals, and this is whether they're cleaning agents or perfumes or cigarette smoke, hashtag endocrine disruptors, ladies. So go back and listen to episode 27 for more information on that. Uh, another trigger can be hot or poorly ventilated rooms. I mean, who needs to have a fan going all the time? I'm raising my hand. And uh, also a trigger is emotionally upsetting situations. So whether it's anger or nervousness or worry, Finding ways to keep your emotions in balance can be very helpful. Yoga, daily meditation, and mindfulness practices are all really great choices for this. And now some of your triggers may be things that you don't really want to give up, so you have to make sure that you prepare yourself for them. So if you know you're going to be having dessert or a cocktail when you go out to dinner tonight, then dress in layers so you can stay comfortable when that chain reaction sets off. Or bring a lovely decorative fan. I bought sequin hand fans by the dozens when my hot flashes were at their worst. I think I had one to go with every outfit. But just make sure that you're prepared so you can stay comfortable and cool. And then that keeps you from getting into that panic mode or escalating emotions, which makes the hot flashes even worse. Another way to reduce the intensity and the frequency of hot flashes and also to lower your risk of cancer recurrence is exercise. Now, I know it seems counterintuitive. How can getting your heart rate up and getting all hot and sweaty make you have fewer hot flashes? Well, in 2017, the journal Menopause published a study that found women who went through a 16-week exercise program did have a reduction in hot flashes because of getting all hot and sweaty when they exercised. They not only had better cardiorespiratory fitness, of course, exercising consistently for 16 weeks, right? But because they were essentially training their bodies to cool down more effectively, even when they weren't exercising, their bodies got better at thermal regulatory control. So you get out there in the gym and you're hot and you're sweaty and your body learns to regulate temperature because your body's always trying to stay same, right? Nice and even, homeostasis. We want to bring everything back to normal. So exercise trained the body to better control the temperature and that carryover was outside of the gym in relation to hot flashes as well. I love that ending. Dr. Nagorni would be proud, but it's true. Exercise is medicine. And not surprisingly, going right along with talk of exercise and menopause, 
Number four on the top 10 list is episode 37, Body Fat and Cancer Treatment. Are the odds stacked against you? And sadly, my friends, they kind of are. But that doesn't mean that it's impossible, just that you need to be more focused and very consistent. So I have to tell you that I researched this show in somewhat of a heated passion, I guess you could say, and it was sparked by a visit to a new primary care physician that I had. Now, I'd never met this man before, and without ever having met me or knowing anything about my background, I went in for just, I don't remember what it was, a routine check on something. He began lecturing me on the difference between fats and carbohydrates and proteins because he wanted me to understand how to lose weight. And when I interrupted him to give him some insight on what I do daily and what I've been through, well, I let this clip start off with what he said to me. So I would like to dedicate this show to my former primary care physician who told me that he had never heard of anyone gaining weight during chemotherapy. Well, there's a study published in the Journal of Clinical Oncology in 1990 where 646 women with node-positive breast cancer were followed as they underwent chemotherapy or chemo-hormonal therapy, or they were only observed and didn't have either of these adjuvant treatments. What they found was that the premenopausal women who received adjuvant chemotherapy gained the most weight averaging 5.9 kilograms or 13 pounds, whereas the postmenopausal women who received adjuvant treatment gained an average of 3.6 kilograms or approximately 8 pounds. This study concluded that in comparison with node-positive breast cancer patients who did not receive chemotherapy, and I quote, Adjuvant chemotherapy is associated with greater weight gain in node-positive postmenopausal breast cancer patients. The amount of weight gain appears even greater for premenopausal than postmenopausal women. Now, you might be wondering why the weight gain would be more significant in premenopausal women, and you're not alone. Many scientists and physicians wonder about this, and there seem to be a lot of factors involved. It's a really complicated situation. In the journal Menopause in 2011, a study was published that looked at chemotherapy-induced ovarian failure, or CIOF. And what these researchers observed was that 70% of the women in this study developed CIOF from chemotherapy treatments. But all of the women had significant weight gain after 12 months. And this weight gain was due to fat in the trunk of the body, the torso, and the legs, but not in the addition of lean body mass. However, the women who did develop CIOF gained an average of 1.8 kilograms, or right about 4 pounds of fat, in the torso while they lost an average of 0.6 kilograms or just a little bit over a pound of lean body mass in the same area. And this loss of total body lean mass was directly correlated to the decrease in bone density that they also experienced. The women who did not lose their ovarian function gained an average of 0.9 kilograms or two pounds of fat in their torso, but they didn't have any significant change in the lean body mass. And here's the kicker. 
even though both groups gained body fat, both groups also had a decrease in energy intake, which means they were eating less. So, please do not feel alone or as if you are a failure if you find managing weight to be more difficult since treatment. I feel you and the science supports you, but you can do it. I promise you, stay focused and get your mind in the right place. And speaking of getting your mind in the right place, coming in at number three is the second episode I ever recorded. Episode number two, train your brain to think healthier thoughts. Now, this actually makes me really happy because this is my life's work. It's what I do. Your health, your happiness, your success, your relationships, everything in this life starts with how you think about it. And there's one simple thing you have to learn in order to start thinking in ways that will change your life. And here it is. But here's the tricky part. The next step, when that thought pops up in your mind, that thought of, did they read the test right? Did they get all the cancer? What is that weird pain? Is something wrong with me again? And definitely check stuff out if it's really weird and you know it. But if it's, you know what I'm talking about. There's these common thoughts that just pop up all the time. And the problem arises when we latch onto one of those thoughts and we turn it into a story and we turn it into a movie. Let me give you an example. So, okay, I have a weird pain in my side today and I think, oh, oh no, I hope I don't have cancer again. Okay, let that thought go, move on with my day versus, oh, I hope I don't have cancer again. Oh my God, it was so hard the first time. It just sucked. There's no way I can go through that again. I mean, this pain in my side, maybe it's like in my kidney or maybe it's a pancreas or what other organs do I have over there? And wow, I've heard that if you get, if you get kidney cancer, or if you get pancreatic cancer, that's like a death sentence. And, and there's no way I'm just not going to go through that. And I don't want to do radiation or chemo. Uh, oh my gosh. You know, if that's happening, I'm just going to, I'm going to cash in my retirement right now. I'm going to go on that trip I've wanted to go to forever to see the glowworms from the caves, from the Lord of the Rings. And here we go. Right? So here's the story. Now, even just listening to me describe that story, right? Do you feel some anxiety come up inside of you? Because I sure do. So we go from a simple thought of, ooh, gosh, I hope I don't have cancer again, to a story of planning out the end of our life and how we're going to finance it and who's going to take part in it. And that's the part that we want to work on. Getting caught up in the thought, creating a story out of the thought, and then allowing that story to create these physical sensations of sickness and anxiety. So that little trick, developing the ability to catch yourself and reel your mind in. And I'm pretty sure if you ask any of my Revivify or Empower members, they will tell you, I work with them on changing the way they think about things. And that is what changes their feelings and their behaviors. That is the key. Catching your mind when it's going haywire and bringing it back to this moment. Okay, so here we are. We're winding down the top two episodes of all times. And coming in at number two is the introductory episode. Episode number one, 
let your lifestyle be your medicine. So I gotta say, I went back to that episode, which I haven't listened to in years, and I completely forgot that this show was originally called Let Your Lifestyle Be Your Medicine. And I'm going to play a clip straight from that episode to tell you why I initially decided to call the show that. What that even means when I say, let your lifestyle be your medicine. I'm sure we're all familiar with the term, let your food be your medicine. But I really believe that more than food, and I think we can all attest to that, more than food is what makes you healthy. It's not just exercise that makes you healthy. There are many factors that go into your health, the way you think, the routines that you have, the habits that you create for yourself. And of course, food and exercise play a huge role. And I'm all about, I love food. I love exercise and I love all kinds of food, not just rice cakes. In fact, I don't even like rice cakes. Okay, I have no idea why I even talked about rice cakes there, probably because I had no idea what the heck I was doing and I was very nervous. That episode was recorded on the floor in my closet because that's what my coach told me would give the best sound and it wasn't too bad. My first coach was an incredible woman. Her name is Trish Blackwell, who I know and I follow to this day. She is a confidence and accountability coach She has a podcast called The Confidence Podcast. So she was presenting at a conference that I was attending, and she was talking about how to use technology to support your business. And to me, that sounded like exactly what I needed. So I went to check it out, and when I listened to her, I knew she was the person I needed to work with because she told the story of how her coach told her to start a podcast, and she did it, not knowing what the heck she was doing. And then her coach told her to launch an iPhone app to build an online course. And not knowing anything, she did it. And she figured it out. And I love it when people are scrappy like that. I love that she was bold and that she did what she wanted to do. And she did it scared and she figured it out along the way. Because that's how life is. We never know what's coming and it's scary. But we've got to do it anyway. And she will always have a very, very special place in my heart. This podcast, I don't even know that it would exist without had our paths not crossed, which is why I follow my gut always, because I know it leads you to where you need to be. And I will always, always treasure the direction and the encouragement that Trish gave to me. And honestly, it was my relationship with her that taught me the value of actually having a coach, the value of being in a safe place with someone who gets what you're going through, who knows what you want, and truly wants to see you achieve your potential. It's a pretty amazing relationship. Since then, I've grown a lot, I've learned a lot, and my needs have changed as with respect to my podcast and my business. And I've had other coaches, and each of them was perfect for where I was at the time, and each of them always will have a special place in my heart. And the coach I have now is very inspiring, and she pushes me daily in ways that allow me to reach my potential and don't allow me to let my thoughts limit me, and I love that. And in turn, I hope that I will be able to do that for you. I believe with all my heart that the best investment of time and money is when you put it into yourself and your personal growth. So speaking of personal growth and change, I have to say that I know you've heard me say this before, but I have found one of the most difficult things to come to terms with since going through breast cancer treatment to be waking. 
managing weight and managing my metabolic health. These were things that I never had to worry about and I worked hard, really hard to make sure that I was healthy and fit. But, you know, pumping those toxins through my veins and being thrown into menopause was a game changer. And judging from the fact that the most downloaded episode of all time is episode number eight, five facts you need to know about ketogenic diets for breast cancer recovery. I'd say that it's a big struggle for a lot of you. So here's a clip from the number one episode of the Breast Cancer Recovery Coach podcast. Dr. Jason Fung, he is the author of The Obesity Code, Unlocking the Secrets of Weight Loss, and he's a kidney specialist in Canada. He's a huge advocate of the ketogenic diet and intermittent fasting. So Dr. Fung talks in his lectures and his books about how important it is to keep the insulin response low so that our bodies don't become insulin resistant, and then that leads to us having high blood sugar. It's also commonly known that insulin encourages fat storage, and and that's its basic job is to store energy in the body to get the glucose out and, and tuck it away wherever it needs to be to keep the blood levels normal. So the more carbohydrates we eat, the higher our blood sugar goes, the more frequently we have an insulin response and the fatter we get. So let alone the fact that higher the blood sugar is, the more fuel that's just floating around eligible in our body to be consumed by cancer cells. So you can see how keeping the insulin regulated, keeping the blood sugar low can help our body stay at a much safer uh, progression and how that diet can be safer without, without providing fuel for cancer growth. So there you have it. I really hope you enjoyed this top 10 episode. I have to tell you, going back and listening to these shows, which is something I don't do after the shows are published, and I just don't listen to them again. And so this was really meaningful for me. I can remember the first time I pushed the button to publish the first episode. Holy cow, I was so scared. And I was so excited. And I just kept watching to see if anybody would download it. And then the first download happened. And it was just like, oh my God, oh my God, someone listened to the podcast. And now this show has been downloaded more than 70,000 times all over the world. I used to get so excited. I'd say 10 or 20 people in a month. I'd be like, wow, 20 women this month listen to that show. Maybe it's helping someone. I hope it's making a difference. And now it's downloaded over 5,000 times a month and it's just still growing. And I share that with you because I do believe that that mirrors recovery to some extent. Because you know when you're in the spot you're in, It's really hard to imagine being somewhere else. It's hard to believe that things will change, but they do. As long as you keep trying, as long as you keep putting one foot in front of the other and focusing on the way you're thinking to improve the way you're feeling and to change the actions you take in your life, things will change and you will evolve and you will look back and say, whoa, I totally forgot that's where I started. Or I didn't realize how much I changed or how much I accomplished until I looked back at where I was. I tell my members all the time, give yourself credit. Acknowledge every little thing you do, 
every change you make. And when your brain starts to tell you otherwise, catch it. When it tells you you're not good enough, you haven't accomplished enough, you're not far enough, catch it and stop it and become aware you are in charge of what you're thinking and the impact that those thoughts are having on you and your life. Three years ago, I was sitting on my closet floor recording a podcast that no one was listening to. And now thousands of women listen. And I have created programs that dozens of those women have been through. And I personally watch them change their lives. Please start with believing that you can achieve whatever it is you want to achieve. Whether it is your health, your relationships, your career, anything, you can do it. And I'm here to help. I appreciate you so much. I am forever grateful that you're here and you're listening. And I thank you from the bottom of my heart. If you are interested in working with me or getting more support in your recovery, you can join my free breast cancer recovery group, which you can find on Facebook. It's called the Breast Cancer Recovery Group. Just search it on Facebook. You can enroll in my newest program, the Breast Cancer Recovery Course. This course is an introduction to the four pillars of breast cancer recovery, and it will help you to develop an awareness of how you treat yourself, and it gives you a path to practicing more self-compassion. It will help you take a mindful approach to nutrition and change your relationship with food. It will support you in revisiting the relationships in your life and strengthening the ones that serve you as you build empathy and connection with those special people around you. And it will teach you how to create an intentional life. These are lessons taken straight from my 10-week coaching program, Revivify, and that will open again in January. So you can begin working on some of those key areas of recovery now. And of course, this podcast is always here for you. And I am always open to suggestions if there are things you would like to hear about. So that is it for this episode 100. And I thank you so much for supporting me all this time, for growing with me through audio issues and long-winded sassy moments, for taking time to leave ratings and reviews, because that truly does get this message out to more survivors. So you are really doing this work with me, and I appreciate it, and I appreciate you. So I will talk with you again next week. And until then, please be good to yourself. In the voices in your head, you've put your courage to the test. Laid all your doubts to rest. Your mind is clearer than before. Your heart is full and wanting more. Your future's at the door. Give it all you got. No hesitation. This is your moment